1: have anything quippy to say today
2: because there's nothing quippy to say about today sorry i need to speak up i i got so serious <laughs> as to become in incoherent um long listeners of the show you may have like noticed that like my vocal s- register not register but like the sound of my voice tends to go up and down Um, and I, I've gotten a lot of like production notes about this (laughs) and we're at this point where we're like, maybe it's not so much the proximity of myself to my microphone. Maybe part of this is just that I tend to just go softer, the more somber Mm -hmm. the situation. And we've reached a level of somberness, um, in the United States right now. Well, no globally, we'll just go globally. Mm -hmm. We've reached a level of somberness where like, if I were to like hit that place sonically, you just wouldn't hear me anymore. Yeah. It's like the part of the subtitles,
1: uh, when it just says inaudible.
2: Yes. 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 And this is apparently, this is how Vulcans honor what is truly awful by not speaking. (laughs) That does sound very Vulcan. Um, yeah, we we
1: sat down to write our usual little intro uh-huh. bit, mm-hmm. and uh, there there were there were just no bits a biting. So no. we decided that today we're just full on breaking the fourth wall.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it wasn't much of a wall anyway, but we're saying more like a thin veil. Yeah, we're saying fuck no to that <laughs> sheet of paper, and <laughs> <laughs> and you're just getting us
2: live and, I mean, not live, not live, but we're here, you know, we're we're here here. to, to hold space and to attempt to, I I don't even know if like, we're going to process things today, but we are going to try and hold space and be present um, for where things are at. And we're very aware that things are probably going to change quite a bit. Between the time that we're recording this, um, which is roughly like on a week and a half away from the time that this drops. Um, yes, we're recording this on June 1st. On June 1st. It has been a week
1: since... Um, oh, I'm just just like blanket trigger warning on this app. Just... <laughs> With pretty much everything, violence, with just everything,
2: everything. <laughs> like if you are, if you're in a sensitive state right now, and we are, we're with you in terms of feeling emotionally sensitive and really raw. And if you're feeling like, I don't want to listen to a podcast right now, that's going to be explicitly naming
3: mm-hmm. what's
2: been going on in the last week, then do what feels safe for you. Yes, please. Please take care of
1: you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we feel like it would be disingenuous to not just name what's happening, right. which is okay. We've given enough time for folks who want to get out to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, one week ago, uh, a a black man named George Floyd was living his life. Yeah. Um, when he was accused of using a counterfeit twenty dollar bill.
3: Mhm
1: and
2: uh wound up dead at the hands of police repeatedly asked him to remove his leg mm-hmm. and the officer chose not to
3: mm-hmm.
2: and this was all caught on video and was then uploaded to social media mm-hmm. yeah there were a lo- there were many many witnesses people
1: begging mm-hmm. begging this officer to to let him up um i have not watched this video in its entirety um i for a number of reasons Mm -hmm. the main one is that i i don't need to see uh another black man be murdered at the hands of police
3: no
2: i i don't i don't need to witness that um And and let me be clear, like, in no way are we judging folks who feel like they do want to bear witness to that. Sure, absolutely. It's more just naming that, that you can, there are many ways to bear witness. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like you have the emotion, like, if you're not able to bear witness to the actual eight-minute lynching,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you can still bear witness to the awfulness of it without watching the full eight minutes.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that caveat, because yeah, my, my intention is not to shame other people who no. who feel it's important to bear witness. Um, I already experience other people's trauma every day
3: mm-hmm.
1: and like I, I have to have a wall. There needs, yeah. there needs to be a boundary. There needs to be a limit. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the moments that I saw, the photos that I saw, which I wish I hadn't, I, you know, I'd, um because it also adds to the commodification of of black
0: murder yeah. um when when it's used as clickbait sure you know um
1: this is all just awful and mm-hmm. um and it feels to me especially awful because it happened in my city And it's not to say these things have never happened in my city because obviously they have. They've happened in cities all over this country. Um, But there was something so egregious about this and I think it was that Mr. Floyd was was begging for release. He was unarmed. He was not a threat. And it was so clearly
2: just a complete disregard for human life. Yes. And, and this, I mean, and this is hard to say, and I think it's, I think part of what we're being called to do. And in particular as folks who culturally code as white, which both you and I do, Mm -hmm. um, we're being called to bear witness and reckon with um, white systemic oppression. And, Mm -hmm. And let me be clear, when I say white systemic oppression, I mean like white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And part of that means really being with the reality that this is something that is common in cities all across America. And it's also common in Minneapolis and Mm St. Paul. And what I mean by common is that the Minneapolis Police Department, St. Paul Police Department, murder African-Americans, at an alarming rate and have done for years. Mm -hmm. And so part of what's happening right now as well in Minneapolis itself and in cities all across the country is that there are folks, there are white folks who are really kind of being shaken by what's happened. And this feels Mm -hmm. very new, right? And there are a lot of black folks out there who are also shaken by this and part of their trauma, part of their grief is that he is, Mr. Floyd is one in so many. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely folks out there who feel like, well, I mean, the answer is arrest the four officers who are Mm -hmm. involved,
0: try them, and we can move on. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that. No. And the reason that we can't do that is that this is not
2: an issue of, this is not just about individual action. This is about larger systemic problems.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. This, this was going to happen. We have been sitting on a powder keg for decades.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah something was going to happen something was going to come along and light the fuse and yeah. it was truly only a matter of time and for folks who are still so desperately grasping onto the status quo like i'm i'm sorry friends we're so far past it yeah like this the status quo was not okay and and to pretend that it was is is to
0: Ignore all the evidence to the contrary. Yeah, yeah. It.
1: I saw. I mean, do, I, you got to find these moments of of levity in here somewhere, right? It's like anytime you're grieving, you. Yeah. When we cry and we laugh, and you know, um, a friend of mine posted this photo. Um, of protesters marching down the street, I think this was in Los Angeles, um, next to an outdoor cafe with a large white family eating brunch.
2: Oh, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> <sighs> this, like, central tension, and we've been giving voice to this sort of, like, dialectical tension for a while on our podcast, I think, this idea of individual... Like where does the where does individual action begin and systemic action become necessary?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We've had so many um, important visible public figures come out and make statements about what has happened and what is happening. And one of the things that I found frustrating personally by some of these statements is that they're kept. Pretty generic, and they're also kind of really going to – they're going to the place of we as individuals need to take a hard look at ourselves. And here's the thing. Yes, we do. And also, we need to really understand that you cannot put a new or unique or woke individual in an old system and Mm -hmm. expect new results. And the reason that we can't do that is – is, b- is because of the way that systems work, right? So one of the mm-hmm. tenets of family systems therapy is that a system is greater than the sum of its parts. And what that is attempting to explain, that phrase is this idea that once you enter this group where there are all these very much regimented rules, roles, and boundaries, you start to get all kinds of verbal and nonverbal pressures
3: Mm-hmm.
2: to follow the role that you have been assigned and what we've done with the police department and like it is my per- it, is, it is my opinion there is my bias i think that this is true of just the police in this country in general
3: mm-hmm.
2: we've militarized the police
3: right
2: and so they operate that system operates as an occupying force So in the same way that, say, like, the military behaves when it goes to occupy any kind of foreign country, that's how the police show up in the United States of America currently. They treat the citizens not as members of their group, which is the police department. They treat them as a hostile force.
0: And it's their job to kind of keep this hostile force at bay and relatively calm. It, it's so strange
1: to have this conversation right now, because it, it wasn't that many Eps ago that we talked about the Panopticon.
0: Yeah. That's true.:
1: <laughs> Yeah. So you know, the, the, the idea of social control Yeah has, has always been on our minds.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And at some point, like you, you press people
0: down long enough they're gonna rise up and they should yeah
3: yeah
2: and and this too like this goes to kind of understanding other sort of like zooming out in our spacesuits oh this is a time to like pause for a moment what we're talking about and we're gonna introduce on here the idea of the spacesuit because i don't think we've ever done that before have we
1: i don't think we have i don't think we've talked about the spacesuit before
2: so the spacesuit is something that I have to give all credit to the captain for because she very much came up with this idea and I have like inherited it from her. So would you like to take it away on describing the spacesuit? Sure. Um, so the
1: the basic here's the here's the reason for the spacesuit. Let's start with that. Beautiful. So yeah. So when there's tough shit going on around us, it's hard to not absorb it you can imagine if you your your fragile body was floating out in space without any covering that'd be a real problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't even have seconds to live (laughs) you have been sucked out in the vacuum of space Uh and that and that is kind of what happens to us when we go into difficult situations without having Mindful awareness of the energetic boundaries between us and other humans. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the spacesuit is we're pausing and we are taking a moment to imagine that we are putting on a spacesuit. We are putting on a protective barrier between us and what's out there, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. other people, other systems the vacuum of space whatever sure. it is
2: you anything know. that is like neutral to hostile to our existence mm-hmm. if we were to come in like direct flesh to space contact <laughs> <laughs> right and it, here's the thing about our brains
1: they're not great at identifying what's real and what's not real Mm-mm. and and that can cause us a lot of distress sure but what people don't realize is that we can use it to our advantage. Yes. Because the same way that your brain can catastrophize and imagine, like, oh well, if I, you know, I, I can't even think of a catastrophe right now because fucking everything is catastrophic. <laughs> I can't yes. have a fake catastrophe
2: right now. Catastrophes are happening right now. Um, what if I walk outside my home and get struck by lightning? Okay, great. Yeah, that's that seems pretty unlikely. <laughs> it does. But also, who knows at this point, but we're going to go with that being <laughs> unlikely. The more I imagine that, the more my physical body and my feelings start to react as if that were about to happen. Because mm-hmm. again, if we start imagining something, very hard for the, our internal systems to realize it's not actually happening. Right. So... We can
1: take that information and use it to our advantage by imagining something helpful, useful, healing. Mm -hmm. And so I would invite you to take a moment, maybe even try it out right now and see how it works for you, is just kind of like pause for a second, Mm -hmm. find a comfortable spot to be, turn inside, whatever that means for you. It might mean you close your eyes or you find something pleasant to look at. Start to slow your breathing just a little bit. You know, notice if you've been breathing very quickly and very high up in your chest, as many of us have been because we're in a heightened state
2: of... Distress. distress. Because we are living in catastrophic times. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was trying not
1: to say heightened state of arousal because... That makes it sound like something sexy is going to happen and nothing sexy is happening.
2: <laughs> no, sadly, this is no. The,
1: this is the bad kind of arousal. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to say good, bad. This is the uncomfortable kind of arousal.
2: The, right, right. It, it's, um, what do I usually tell folks? Anxiety and excitement sit right next to each other on the emotional spectrum. Mm-hmm. And part of what that means is that they feel really similar in the body. So like when mm-hmm. I'm excited, what happens? My breath goes a little bit higher. Maybe my voice does too. My pulse quickens. What happens? Did I say that that's what happens when I'm excited? <laughs> <laughs> you said excited first. Great. The same thing's going to happen when I get anxious. hmm. Yeah. So
1: turning back to your breath after you mm-hmm. got distracted by us, um, just bringing your awareness to your breath. And then starting to picture in your mind's eye
3: mm-hmm.
0: a spacesuit. Yep. And start to affix it to your body.
1: Where we're putting on the the main legs and boots first, and then you get zipped on up into that whole full body suit situation. And you get your gloves put on, make sure that all the fasteners are fastened tight, because Mm -hmm. if you're wearing the suit, but your fasteners aren't tight, you could still get some space on you, or (laughs) other people's negativity. Mm -hmm. Either way, we don't want it. And then last but not least, that helmet goes on, gets all affixed, you can feel that flood of oxygen being provided to you by your spacesuit, you are safely encased and protected. And with that image in mind,
3: mm-hmm. then
1: go back into the difficult thing that you need to do. And anytime you feel like, uh, I think there's a leak in my spacesuit, mm-hmm. take a sec. Turn back inside. Make sure all your fasteners are fastened. Everything's everything's all tightened up. Um and this this is this is there for you anytime you need it.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for doing that. I really love mm-hmm. when you, every time you do the space suit. It's a little different every time. I think the first time you ever did it with me, we were focusing on like the boots and all the different <laughs> fasteners and straps. Um and I would hopefully listeners, you are you've mm-hmm. pictured said space suit, you're in your said space suit. So then I'm going to invite you to do what I often invite my clients to do, which is imagine that the three of us, so you, me, and the captain, we're all in our different spacesuits, and we are hovering above our planet, mm-hmm. and we have those little sort of like i don't know what they're called I call them like jet packs or air packs, depending on mm-hmm. where I'm at verbally that day, and they're the <laughs> they're what you use to kind of like put put closer mm-hmm. to your fellow astronaut so that's mm-hmm. that's where we are the three of us we're kind of like put putting closer, we're looking down at our planet. And the nice thing about this vantage point is it gives us perspective. Mm. And this is where we want to be when we're trying to get a sense of movements of large groups of people. And we're trying to think systemically. We're trying to think about what is happening to these big systems. Mm -hmm. We don't want to get too down in them because then we start to, we can, we're open to fusion and feeling and all kinds of things. But we're safe up here, we're looking down, we're getting some perspective. And so some things that, you know, I'm going to invite you to kind of think about or maybe notice would be to to notice the pandemic. Mm. It's real normal if as you're noticing the pandemic that you start to maybe feel some fear again. So maybe yeah, you, yeah, you're, you're like, you're panting a little bit. Your pulse starts to quicken. Just, I'm going to remind you, you're safe here in your spacesuit. Captain mm-hmm. and I are right next to you. If you need to, you can like put putt a little bit closer to us. And as we notice the pandemic, and we're looking at our planet, and I like to think of the pandemic's color as being in green. Hmm. Green to me equals illness. If something else equals illness to you, use that color. Um, We're going to go with green for today. So imagine as we're looking at our planet, the spots where there's the pandemic, which is, you know, it, it's pretty much in every country. It We see the color green. And as we're noticing that, we might also want to think about the different ways
0: that countries and their governments have responded to the pandemic. You might want to think about and notice the different social supports afforded different groups of folks in this country. It might even be helpful to think about it from a class perspective. I don't mean an academic class. I mean socioeconomic class. The more money you have, the greater access you have to resources. And right now, just with the way that our federal government has responded,
2: leaving most of the handling of things to state governments, part of what that means is there's there's a scarcity of resources and there's also a localization of those scarce resources. So we got a lot of resources
0: for treatment for folks who have more money or mm-hmm. richer. And this is where we also might want to notice and bring in
2: um, some, some racial awareness, right? And Some of you who, especially those of you who listen to the podcast for a long time, maybe you listened to our last episode about the Westworld construct, you may be thinking, but wait a minute, race is a construct. It's something we created. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we created it a long, long time ago, and we continue to use it. And that means that even though it's
0: created, it has a lot of power. And... If we were to assign
2: a color to folks of a specific race, and I'm just going to go with the ones that we've used the longest without assigning any type of value judgment, also acknowledging that part of where we got black and white was that we favored this idea of whiteness over blackness. I'm acknowledging that. I'm not saying I condone it. I'm saying I acknowledge it, and I'm going to use it for ease of communication. So we're noticing where the green spots are. We're now going to be noticing where regions of higher concentration of black folks are. And those are going to pop up to us visually using that same color. And now we're going to notice visually spots where there's uh, where there's white folks. And one of the things we're going to see right away is that where there's a lot of black,
0: there's a lot of green. In general, Black folks have been hit harder by the pandemic. And while I didn't assign
2: class or, you know, the allotment of um, socioeconomic resources of color, I am just going to name right now that more of those sit with white folks
0: than with Black folks. mm mm-hmm.
2: So if we're so we're zoomed out we're looking at this and we see that black folks are more likely to have less resources and are more impacted by the pandemic and the federal government has
0: not done much to address any of those concerns This is starting to hopefully help give some more understanding
2: into why we're where we're at right now
3: Mm
2: -hmm. right and
1: this is literally one example Mm -hmm. this this is this is a very this is a very stark example and it's it's one that's very recent but we could point to so many things like this you know Presently and historically, folks of color have had less opportunity. Mm-hmm. They are given less respect by the medical community, which means yep. that their illnesses are taken less seriously. They are less often able to have access to medications that they need and are even given pain
2: medication at a lower rate than white folks. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not like our opinion, friends. And we're going to be enclosing a lot yeah. more kind of information in our resources section, so our liner notes today. Um, all all of this is 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 backed up by
0: research. This is not our opinion. This is stuff that we know and that mm-hmm. we've known for decades. Yeah. And perhaps at this point, you're like, "Well, if we've known this for decades, what the
2: hell? Why haven't we done more?" to make real systemic change. Yes, I would like to know that. Tell us, Spock, why haven't (laughs) we made
1: large-scale
2: systemic change? It goes to something that you like to reference all the time, sir, which is homeostasis. Mm. Homeostasis attempts to describe the very real observable phenomena that systems like
0: to stay the way they are. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of effort to change them permanently.
2: And homeostasis also really gives voice to this like resistance that a system is going to have when any attempt is made to change it. And this is probably, though I don't know this for sure, I'm sure that when I go back and rewatch The Power of Myth for the billionth time, <laughs> um I'll know this for sure, but this is part of why, you know, jo- Joseph Campbell was a, we're a big fan of on this show. Hey JC, Um, he was he was very much of the thinking that when a system when you've identified that the system isn't working you have to completely break apart the system you cannot try to repair it from within you can't try to put in a patch that's not going to work you need to completely stop what you're doing dismember the system and start all over again Mm-hmm. And I think part of the very real fear of doing that is anarchy, right? Like, what are we going to do in the interim when we just, like, for example, don't have a police force? Sure. And yet, part of what's happening right now in Minneapolis is that there's not a functioning police force, and so no. <laughs> for the last what since Friday? No, that's not going to work because of when
0: we're dropping the episode. What are dates? <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So from roughly May 29th, which was a Friday, through June
2: 1, which is a Monday, so the day we're recording, what folks in, in, in the city of Minneapolis and in the, much of the city of St. Paul, folks are having
0: to defend their homes. Mm -hmm. from the police, from the National Guard who's been called in. So for folks who are already, who are worried about some anarchy, part of what I want to offer today is we're kind of there already. Right. Right. Just because we're not naming it doesn't mean it isn't real. Right.
1: Yeah. And and the reality is if you go walk outside mm-hmm. in some of uh, these neighborhoods that are harder hit, like there, there is structure, there is order there. I mean, like it, it is, it is community created. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the, maybe the best example is with um, the indigenous folks who have just created an amazing system for policing self policing their neighborhood right now and they they took down these uh these white teen kids who came in from i think Wisconsin
0: yeah that's trying- right i saw
2: them i saw them the, yeah, um, yeah yeah and they
1: <laughs> made them call their moms
2: uh huh can you Witch. imagine that like getting a getting a call from some like nice sounding human being like hi i have i have your son or daughter here. they mm-hmm. They're going to explain to you why they were trying to terrorize my house. <laughs> right.
1: Yep, yep, they're going to explain to you why they uh, crossed state lines to <laughs> to abuse marginalized populations. Okay, here's Ricky. Ricky, here's Ricky. Tell Mom.
2: Tell mom what's up. So is it possible that Ricky's mom might get on the phone and express support and even maybe even pride in what her son did? Sure. And that's not a given. No. Because part of what's also happening here, and honestly, I would say that like the news, at least the United States, hasn't done a great job of highlighting this, um, but more kind of like, on-the-ground footage has, which is showing the real cross-cultural, sort of interracial nature of a lot of these peaceful protests and a lot Mm -hmm. of these community organizers coming together,
0: that in many ways this truly is a far more multicultural moment. Mm -hmm. People of all backgrounds... Many of these folks are showing up. Not everyone.
2: And there's plenty of white supremacists showing up. Yeah, that's, I mean, that
1: is a whole problem that I don't think we're going to get to today because we don't want to shine a light on that right now.
2: No. Mm -mm. No. Is that a problem? Absolutely. Yes. What we really want to shine a light on right now is that these are big systemic problems and it is possible to come up with systemic answers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, it is possible to think of ways to disband the police and really to do it safely, because even if we were to, say, like, disband the entire Minneapolis Police Department, they would likely go home and get fortified. Um, so we would need to have a place for those folks to go to keep everyone else safe. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. mean jail, though, perhaps the jail would be appropriate for many of them. We could also go to some sort of residential care facility um <laughs> i like that you're you're
1: doing uh you're doing inpatient treatment to uh to kind of oh what is that when you come out of a cult um yes! to get yeah to uh-huh. get de uh deprogrammed deprogrammed
2: yeah, yeah you're talking
1: about inpatient deprogramming yeah for okay.
2: police yeah. helping them for get police. back in touch with their humanity Mm -hmm. That shared collective experience and connection that we have with all
0: human beings. Mm -hmm. And then we'd be looking at a community based peacekeeping force. How do we build something like that?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: There are examples of that. Like
2: some of it's happening right now ad hoc on the ground because it needs to happen.
3: Right.
1: Right. And it, and it is like, I mean, Mm -hmm. you, you, you see these small swaths of yeah. of protesters, um, who like there is a leader, and there are people helping keep the peace, and it's not based on violence. No, it's it's based on our our shared humanity and our our moral code. Like we have all decided, it's not okay. To yeah. do these things.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, um, so like I said, we're recording this on June 1st. Yesterday in Minneapolis, um, a, a tanker truck drove into a crowd of protesters. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. Mm-hmm. I, unbelievably, nobody was hurt. Um, and we still don't know what happened exactly, yeah. um, whether this was, legitimate accident, whether this Mm. was an
0: attempt to cause harm. Um, But what was so just beautiful is the best word I can come up with, was that
1: so many of the protesters were, I I mean, understandably upset, angry, Mm. in shock, all those things. And you could hear them yelling, don't hurt him yeah about the driver the driver because they don't know they didn't know they right. don't know if that driver meant to harm anyone if mm. he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time like did he did he really wind up on the highway before they closed off the exits
2: i don't know right and, but and even if he did mean to harm someone you know this is making me think of the expanse i mean i like the book series too but i'm thinking actually of the <laughs> show this most recent season And I know that, like, you have, you've long bid adieu to the expanse. It just did not speak to you. (laughs) But there's this great, it just, I like the way you describe it to me. It sounds much (laughs) more interesting when you describe it to me than when I watch it. So there's this great scene in season four with, uh, Ashford, who's one of the, who's one of the belters. And he, he and drummer, who's the captain, have this very contentious dynamic. But Ashford is attempting to explain to, his I guess his belter comrades why they need why it's important to stop killing people Mm. without any sort of like official systematic judgment Mm -hmm. and what he's attempting to explain is that that Like he's attempting to talk about like the cycle of violence and he has this beautiful speech that he talks about. He's like, you don't understand you kill this person here and they have a family. They have a friend. They have a parent. They have a partner. They will be upset. They will come after you. Mm -hmm. It never ends. It doesn't end. If you kill him here, it's just the beginning. And we've been doing this for such a long time. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Expanse, the Belters are very much the disenfranchised community um, in this uh, sci-fi futuristic reality in which we have figured out ways to colonize different planets. And so you have the Earthers, you have the Martians, and then you have the Belters who are basically like they're the proletariat. They're they are the they're the black folks, honestly, Mm -hmm. of this particular uh cinema that's cinematics. it's a television show but this particular universe mm-hmm. so they are the marginalized they are the underrepresented and the overworked and the undersupported yeah
1: i love that you brought up that example because that's that's right that's true whether whether this guy who drove the tanker truck whether he meant to or not it is our choice as victor Frankl would tell us it is our, we get to decide what to do with that information. Like yeah. we get to decide what to do. We get to decide what to do with the life that is given
2: to us, the time mm-hmm. that is given to us. Thank you, Gandalf. Yeah. Um, and it's, and really part of what government should be doing. Part of what I think government should be doing, it should be doing two things. It should be helping to allocate resources. It's, it should, it's designed to address the scarcity of resources problem. Mm-hmm. And it should be working to ensure that every person
0: is empowered to make decisions about the life that is given to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And resources are a crucial part of that. Right. Scarcity of resources will cause violence. Yeah. You know, it, it's like that's – and we know this. We and do know just, this.
1: And that is the great we. The great we know this. Mm-hmm. And so it is used to keep yeah. certain members of our society down.
3: Yes. This is
1: this is done knowingly. This is done to keep society
2: stratified. Mm-hmm. And, like, Be- why? Not just because mm-hmm. of homeostasis, but also because right. – If you want to have some people that are really high on top, like the Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezoses of the world, you must have a extremely underserved underclass because you don't get the really, really wealthy without being able to make use of big chunks of human capital.
1: Mm -hmm. Which, if this isn't something you've given a ton of thought to before, is probably really fucking uncomfortable to think about. Yes. And that's and that's fair
3: hmm
2: You may have, at this point, in your own spacesuit, been like, Spock, Captain, I'm gonna need to to put put myself back to the spaceship, <laughs> and that's okay. You get mm-hmm. to do that. The invitation here is to take breaks as you need, to restore,
0: to revive, and then to come back. hmm
3: Right.
0: Yeah. There. There's going to be
1: discomfort here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and that's fair. Yes. Beca- because you know what? If you came up with any kind of privilege, some of this info might just literally be new to you. Yeah. And that is not a reason for self-flagellation and no. shame.
2: It's just how it is. Well, it's yeah. part of our greater system, right? Because right. this is not necessarily something that we put in public education. No oh God, no. <laughs> and it's not and it's not necessarily something we put in private education, because part of what we're doing is we're telling history slant. Mm-hmm. By the people who wrote it. By the people who wrote it, by the people who were in positions of power to have mm-hmm. their words written down as words that stay. To paraphrase
0: one of my favorite lines from the Dark Crystal movie.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Cool. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story many times
2: your stories don't get told. Right. And if they do, they get told in a way that maybe you would not have been cool with. Mm -hmm. And I think a small but I think sometimes really instructive way to start to think about this and start to notice things is looking at who gets the active tense in a written piece of journalism. Say more. So presently, and I have to actually give credit to our producer for queuing me in on this right now, a lot of like major news publications, they're using the active tense to describe when protesters commit violent acts. Mm. So this protester made a Molotov cocktail and threw it into the Nike store. That didn't happen, everyone, at least not to my knowledge at this point. That is an example a hyperbolic one that I got from Riverdale. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta defend Pops, the That's Molotovs. Right. So we're using the active tens to really play up and heighten. Oh my god. Look what he did to try to protect Pops. He attacked <laughs> that nice group of white supremacists. The try ghoulies. And, the ghoulies. <laughs> Let's just use Riverdale examples. Exactly. And a reporter would use a passive tense to describe when a protester behaved in a neutral to positive way. Mm. It would, and they're also using more passive tense to describe when the, the police or the National Guard, any, any of the occupying militarized forces are doing something that is violent. Example. A example would be it was reported that a member of the political group known colloquially as the Ghoulies (laughs) engaged in angry actions against one pop's chocolate shop. Oh. Yeah, that drives me nuts.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I mean, the the most egregious of these is an... I might have used this language at the top of the pod. Cause I was just. Cause it's so in my brain, but saying that Mr. Floyd died at the hands of not that. Uh, former officer, former officer Chauvin killed him.
0: Murdered him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause died at the hands of it's. It's couching. It is, and it's it's attempting to make it feel less upsetting,
0: mm-hmm. more neutral. Yeah.
2: Not and unlike then, the coroner's report that came out. Oh, oh,
1: yeah. And I mean, I name that I might have said it that way because I think it's important for us to name w- when when we've done a thing, mm-hmm. not to not to shame ourselves again, no, but to be aware. And go, yeah. oh shit, I have been swimming around in this and I got some on me. I
2: need to, I need to tighten up my spacesuit.
3: hmm <laughs> Yeah.
2: I need to be aware. And this is where, in, and this is where indi- individual action is powerful and important and has its place. Mm-hmm. It is, it is then about, it is, it's both end. Just mm-hmm. so systems, right? That it is both that we need to recognize the power that these systems have and dismantle them. Mm -hmm. And we also need to recognize the individual power that we have Mm -hmm. and the individual responsibility that we have. It's not going to work if
0: we just do one or the other. Mm -hmm. We've got to do both. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing
1: in family therapy. Both and. Mm-hmm. not either or
3: mhm
1: and that that is a very hard message for uh, media really yes because because it requires nuance which we don't have time for in a <laughs> in a 30 second soundbite
0: right no like
1: we are we are uncomfortable the the greater we are uncomfortable and we have to act both things are true mm-hmm. so um i i'm on the i'm a member of the board of the minnesota association of marriage and family therapy you know cuz i i need more shit to do um but i'm also involved with um the social justice committee and mamft and social justice committee put out a statement to say mm-hmm. like hey, MAMFT is coming out in support of the protesters. You know, you basically, you can't be a systems thinker and be cool with what's happening. Right. Because you just can't. You
2: just can't.
1: You just can't. And um, someone made a comment, this was on a Facebook post, to say something to the effect of, I'm very disappointed in... The organization saying this, and I was like, eh, "I got nothing else going on. I'll jump in here." Um, <laughs> to you know, to which I responded very kindly uh, because I don't know where this person is at in their stages of change, right? Um, to say like, "Hey, if you're a systems thinker, we cannot ignore the systemic inequality." And one of this person's points was. That judging the actions of an entire group, being the police, mm-hmm. based on one person's actions, um, contributes to the problem. And I said a lot of what you and I have said today, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, people are formed by systems, yep. um, that we, we can't just pull one person out of a system and say, you're the problem. It's... It's just like family therapy.
2: It is just like family therapy. And this happens all the time in family therapy. Like, that's why we have that Mm -hmm. phrase, the IP, the identified patient. They -hmm. are the person that is exhibiting, that is most clearly exhibiting the negative impact of this dysfunctional system. Mm -hmm. And the family, in this case, the family. The family will come in and they will be like, fix Greg. (laughs) Greg is struggling. What's going on <laughs> with Greg? And part of the family therapist's job is to be compassionate and curious mm-hmm. and understand Greg's symptomology within the broader framework of the family. So to understand the rules, the roles, and the boundaries that are creating this dysfunctional relational group. Mm-hmm. And then to help the family figure out what is possible. Can we renegotiate some boundaries? Can we change some rules? Can we help roles be some more flexible? And so maybe at this point, some of you are like, well, but that's what we want to do with the police. We want to we want to help mm-hmm. them, like you help this family. And, and I'm going to say something that I don't know if all of my MFT colleagues would agree with. And I think it is the case sometimes that sometimes a family is so their way of relating to one another is so harmful for to its members that it it's better off to be disbanded it's probably the most neutral language i can use
1: what i would say to that Mm -hmm. um i i don't disagree exactly i just see it slightly differently yes that um there is a challenge of scope here. Yes. I mean, a a family who's going to come in to see you is max three to five people. Like, it is highly unusual for a whole family to come into family therapy with more than five people. Like, I guess six to eight can happen, but like with that number of people, there is the ability to get buy-in.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: that like, hey, I know you came in here talking about how Greg is really just fucking everything up. But I gotta <laughs> tell you, <ya, laughs> I gotta tell you, I feel like, I feel like Greg is reacting mm-hmm. to the way you, mom and dad, are fighting every day. And do, do mom and dad buy in on that immediately? No. No. But do, do they eventually go, oh really? Do you think Greg is impacted by our fighting? We never fight in front of him. We never fight when he's awake. We ne- <laughs> you know, and, and you work on that long enough and they're like, oh. So you're telling me Greg's not the problem. Like, mm-hmm. no, Greg has some problems. Sure. He he is dealing with some problems. But, but Greg is not a problem. Right. And y- generally speaking, you can get enough buy-in from the family To have some healing. It has some change.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, The scope. Of an entire industry. That is impossible. It is impossible to have enough buy-in. From each and every member. Of that unit. That you would need. For systemic change. Because Mm -hmm. sure. The person at the top can say. Okay this is what we're doing now. But. Do we trust
2: him? Do we listen to him? I'm making some gender assumptions. Uh, you are. And I think most uh, it, it, sticking with sort of the the system of the police department or police departments mm-hmm. in general, that's that's a fair assumption to make or an mm-hmm. accurate one, I suppose. Right. And so, I mean, I, I agree that what
1: we need to do is dismantle in that case,
3: mm-hmm.
1: because it would just I I can't imagine a situation in which it would be possible to quote unquote reform because of the.
0: Due to the size.
1: The size and the incredible pull of the homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Because if you have mom, dad, and Greg, like homeostasis is going to pull and then one of them is going to try and reset. Right? Mm-hmm. One of them is gonna say, hey, you know, Greg's gonna say, Hey Dad, remember we're supposed to practice our skills. Hey, we're going in to see Laris on Friday. Remember, we said we'd try <laughs> to do this thing. And yes, it is usually the kid reminding the parents. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um how can that happen mm-hmm. in this scope? And mm-hmm. also like we we talk about little little nuclear families. Like okay maybe you could do it with one precinct, mm-hmm. but what about when that precinct loops in with the rest of the department? Right. When that department loops in with the departments in the rest of the tri-state area, and like mm-hmm. it just how without having literally like a
2: family therapist in each. <laughs> This is part of what I was imagining. Police I was like, department. okay, well, if we want to go with this idea of scope, if we feel like scope is the issue, then we'll just break everybody into like work like breakout triads. groups, little triads, <laughs> maybe some quadrads if that's even a word. And uh and yeah, just just assign the family therapist to them. And this is and like and could that really cause a lot of growth probably? And it would be a lot to coordinate, which I think is part of why as the logical companion I tend to go to, well, let's go with completely changing the rules, rules, and boundaries mm-hmm. and get folks who are not so, what's the word I'm looking for? Entrenched. Entrenched in the mm-hmm. old rules, rules, and boundaries. Right. Let's, get the, let's pair those folks with the new rules, rules, and boundaries and go from there and provide treatment mm-hmm. to the old guard.
1: Oh, you know, you know what I think I was responding to when you oh. were talking about dismantling the family? Oh. I was picturing it very fractured, but I we actually we see this all the time. We do. Sometimes a couple breaks up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a kid goes to live with grandma. Right. Sometimes And you even know, in family
2: therapy like we will like it's rare in family therapy that you meet with like the nuclear family every single session. It's usually more like you're going to meet with today's Greg session and next week it's Greg and dad. And then next week it's Greg and mom and then it's Mm -hmm. mom and dad. And then it's Greg, mom and dad. Right. And like, and this week Mm -hmm. we're bringing in grandma, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just,
1: I think that language had me thinking like, oh, we're just we're disbanding the family. Like, how do we disband the family? Everybody's going Uh. off
2: to their different regions. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which is obviously not what you were saying, but that's just where
2: my head went. No, that's fair. That was I was using some um, sort of like hyperbolic language or language (laughs) that lended itself to that.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yes, sometimes there needs to be some big shakeup. So I want to come back to this situation I had with this woman online. Uh, I don't believe that she is malicious. I don't believe that she literally puts the, the thoughts, feelings, and actions of the police above people of color i don't i don't believe i don't think she means to i don't think it's malicious right um but i do think part of what's happening for her is that she's not thinking systemically and she's Mm -hmm. not thinking of this in the same way we would think about a family because there's yes because there's no way that a family would come to her and she would say well greg's the problem and I mean, if she does, like, you need some continuing ed, friend. Right. Uh, <laughs> but this idea that one person, one bad apple spoils the barrel, like, no. I, no. I would argue that it's the fucking barrel that crushes the apples. Mm-hmm. The, the apples oh, probably went is... into that barrel all shiny oh, and new.
2: Such an image
1: right? Yeah. And this can happen in any industry. I don't want to go too far afield because I know we we didn't want to make this a super long app because it was tough topics, but like even in our industry, I remember
2: mm-hmm. when I first started and I was a brand new, you oh, know, your a little, a ch- little young young Spock out there, your first mission. My <laughs> my first mission. Um uh, <laughs> a young 30 year old (laughs) Spock
1: so spry (laughs) I feel like I probably had cartilage in my knees then Um, but I remember these like because initially I I went into drug counseling before I went into marriage and family therapy and these grizzled drug counselors who were like not much older than me
2: by the way um, Who it wasn't the years for them it was the miles
1: (laughs) dean winchester thing to say uh- <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> yeah that, that sparks joy for me um but they would say things like well you know you just basically like you just can't save them and not in the way that i talk about that with my supervisees where i'm like it's not our job to save people
3: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what you know please don't take away other people's autonomy. It was basically like, mm, you might as well give up now, kid, because yeah. There's no hope here.
2: Yeah. They had clearly reached empathy exhaustion.
1: Right. And if I I don't know, if I had been younger, if I had been less of a strong personality, who knows, I might have been really impacted by that. Mhm. And there are therapists who are.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know
1: who get crushed by the barrel. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and I think about like the Western field of medicine is another great example.
0: Mm -hmm. Like
2: is the average doctor out there trying to deny their African-American patients care? No, but they are really influenced by the institution that taught them that gave them their medical degree and there's a lot of bias institute in that institution Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and
1: and as we've talked about with westworld constructs i mean these are ideas that eventually become irrefutable laws Mm -hmm. even though they're not right but there it becomes an irrefutable law that that black folks are drug seekers even though if you pulled that individual dr apple <laughs> out of the barrel right and you were like okay so look look here at this human sitting across from you in pain yeah do you believe that they should get something for that pain mm-hmm. like i i think they do yeah so, I mean, s- systems can be wonderful and systems can be damaging.
2: Yes. And thinking systemically helps us to understand major major global moments, like the one mm-hmm. in which we are all living. Right. We can get
1: outside of ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's what the commenter on that Facebook post could really use, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't think she's going to hear that from me. But I, th- I think, like that's some of what needs to happen here. Yes, is is that especially folks who code as white in this country mm-hmm. need need to do some more systemic thinking.
2: Yes, and just as an aside, folks, and I have no doubt that we'll we'll go into this more in a future app. But part of the reason we're referring to this idea of culturally coding as white is that whiteness in and of itself is a construct.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: It is created and it's important. And it's really important for folks who culturally code as white to begin to separate themselves from the constructs of whiteness Mm -hmm. to really look at the white mask and for folks who know, yes, I'm totally cribbing from, and I'm not going to try to do it in French right now because that's just, it would make everyone sad. It's f- Franz. I, and I can't, I have to try. Okay, here we go, everyone. I'm going to give it a go on pronunciation. Franz Fanon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wherever you are, Franz, I'm sorry. He's long <laughs> since left this world and I'm still sorry. <laughs>
1: he's he's in his space suit and he's like damn it he's like damn but no you know what he's like he's like so he he what he
2: was he was a he was the victim he was the victim of French colonization Mm. like years of French colonization his his ancestors were I'm forgetting from which region he hailed um he was French. he was french african when he was alive he was a doctor i believe he was a psychiatrist and a thinker and he wrote the book black skin white mask mm. um which was attempting to help african folks all across the world who were the victims of generations of colonization by mm-hmm. europeans start to start start to separate and see the way that that system had negatively impacted them. And so he used the metaphor of a mask, taking off the white mask Mm -hmm. and reclaiming your identity. And in a a related, but obviously very different way, I think it's important for folks who culturally code as white to do the same thing. This is a mask that we have put Mm -hmm. on. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Or that has been put on Or that has been put on us. And we can start to take it off. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that feels like a really a really solid place to close. Okay. Let's let's do that.
3: hmm
1: Um, so today we uh we talked about homeostasis. We talked a lot about family systems therapy, which we did. is is wonderful mm-hmm. somewhere Ann Ramage is smiling. Aww. Uh, <laughs> Um, We talked a ton about uh, sociology, really. We did. We didn't name that. But there's family systems and then there's, you know, societal global systems Mm -hmm. and social stratification. And that's really a sociological concept, which is just talking about that sparks so much joy for me.
2: Well, related to that, we also talked about the panopticon. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about intersectionality.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah race class and gender mm-hmm. identified patient very much within the scope of family systems you at the barricade listen to this
1: no one is coming to help you
2: to fight
0: <gasps> oh that's uh. beautiful
1: <laughs> you're on your own you have no friends give up your guns or die ah uh, that was your lame for now <laughs> <laughs> uh Phantoms for today. You you the expanse Riverdale. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Briefly so supernatural,
1: very briefly, but we got it in there. Mm-hmm. Snuck it in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um Did you bring up devs? I or did, did not. We just say, I did okay. not.
2: I used devs to really prep myself,
1: and then I didn't talk about it at all. Okay, that's fine. I wrote down some things we didn't talk about either,
2: <laughs> which which feels fine. Yeah. Oh wait, we should add this. Um, As we mentioned at some point in the episode, included in the liner notes is going to be a list of resources um, if you're interested in doing further reading. We're also going to include in those lists of resources organizations that are doing really meaningful and helpful work right now. And so if you want to engage with them either by donating or engage with them by volunteering, you can check that out too.
1: Mm -hmm. And before we close, I just want to say, if if you are someone for whom the idea of being a quote unquote frontliner is terrifying, uh, that's okay. You don't need to be a frontliner. Really, our work here, and I'm using the hour for white folks, is, is to is to start to broaden our own minds. So it's that idea of micro versus macro activism. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity to go micro that will become macro. So reading a book, watching a video, maybe becoming part of a Facebook group that is activist minded. I mean, those are all meaningful micro activist actions that you can take that are no less valuable than being out there marching.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicap Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. He's sad too. Join us for our next app on. Who the hell knows what's gonna happen before we record next? We're not promising anything anymore! <laughs> And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always,
0: live long
1: and and prosper. prosper.